This is News Talk on the VOCM Bigland FM radio network. The views and opinions on this program are not necessarily those of this station. And now your News Talk host, Linda Swain. No, still not Linda Swain. It's Brian Callahan in again this uh, glorious Thursday afternoon. I say glorious um, because uh, this just in uh, precisely, and I was sitting at the window when I calculated this, 12.17 p.m. and 1.34 p.m. officially, the sun was out uh, this afternoon. It did shine and have not, will be no more. No, wait now, that's Peckford. But yes, the sun did actually show itself this afternoon and is threatening to do so again any minute out there, at least uh, here in VOCM Valley anyway. The sun's acting more like a groundhog, really. Shows itself, then disappears again. Hopefully not for six weeks, but you never know. Truth be told, you know, I pay so little mind to the weather. Unless I want to walk somewhere instead of driving, then yeah, I'll check on the odds of snow or rain or whatever. But otherwise, it's... It's just one of those things that falls into the category of can't control it, I'm moving on. So this is News Talk, and as the name says, we talk news here, there, and everywhere. And we absolutely encourage you to participate. So, you know, rather than wonder in your head why we're not talking about this, that, or the other thing, call and tell me. Numbers are the same as open line, 273-5211-709, of course, 273-5211. Still getting used to that. 1-866-590-VOCM. These are, you know, we're looking for the public to just give us a shout. If something strikes you, you hear something on this show, give us a quick call. We can have a quick chat, get it off your mind, move on. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the news of the day, uh, specifically Marine Atlantic. I'm sure, as you've probably heard by now, they're raising rates again, just in time for the summer tourism season uh, in the way of, wait for it, a new fuel surcharge. Now, you know, the predictable criticism and outrage has been coming fast and furious on the socials and from the provincial government already. And uh, the news release was barely out and the province was uh, two ministers. We're calling a news briefing just before the House of Assembly got going this afternoon. Um, here's some of what, uh, well, actually, first, in a few minutes, I'm going to speak live here on the show with the spokesman for Marine Atlantic, Daryl Mercer. God love him. He made some time for us this afternoon in this busy hour. Uh, but first, so Daryl will have in a few minutes, but first, here's some of the immediate reaction this afternoon from both Industry Minister Andrew Parsons and Tourism Minister Steve Crocker, who met with reporters just prior to this afternoon's sitting of the House of Assembly. Obviously, uh, we feel from the tourism perspective, the timing could not have been worse. Here we are in tourism week, and uh, we're met today with a rate charge that, quite frankly, uh, given the, the circumstance that our tourism, again, just speaking for that industry for a moment, finds itself in, to actually be met today with a surcharge coming into effect as we hope for the season to ramp up on, you know, a rate increase that comes into effect June the 1st. So uh, this is an issue that myself and Minister Parsons have been active on for quite some time. Uh, you know, we've we seen uh, back earlier, late last fall, early in the new year, where uh, Transport Canada actually suspended the the, uh, the rate increase on the Confederation British in Prince Edward Island, and they suspended that rate increase, citing fragile economic fragility when it came to cost of living, the tourism industry, and even to some point they referenced the struggles that uh, Fiona presented to, to Prince Edward Island. And I've long advocated uh, from the tourism perspective that uh, – the Gulf is our Trans-Canada Highway, and nobody would ever, you know, uh, 
tolerate, I guess, at this point uh, to see increases that are going to affect not only the tourism industry, but all industry in the province. It's going to affect every single good that comes into the province. Uh, so, yeah, we're disappointed today from the tourism perspective, and I think, you know, Minister Parsons can uh, talk about industry a little more, but uh, I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, to echo uh, Minister Crocker, uh, Crocker's sentiments, we're, we're extremely disappointed today. I can't say I'm shocked. Uh, and certainly uh, I've had great conversations with Marine Atlantic, but the, the issue today does not fall upon the shoulders of Marine Atlantic. It falls squarely upon the shoulders of the federal government. Uh, Marine Atlantic must operate within the budget envelope that they receive and within 65% cost recovery rate. That is federally imposed on them and has been for some time. Uh, nor is it a today's government issue. This is successive governments uh, that have continued on with this regressive policy. Um, I'm disappointed because of the timing. And like I say, it's, it's tourism season. But not only that, every good that starts coming into this province, primarily perishables coming in through Marine Atlantic, we're going to feel that. We're going to feel that on every truck that's coming, and this is going to be passed on to consumers. Uh, and it's not that the feds are unaware. Uh, we've advocated, and I've advocated directly to our federal MPs. I met with Minister Algebra back uh, in the winter and told him about our concerns on this. We've written to Minister Friedland to tell them about our concerns on this, and still we see this here today. Uh, I appreciate the fact that the federal government was uh, lenient on cost recovery during COVID. Uh, but the fact is, it was still a 65% recovery prior to that was unacceptable, and we've been asking for that to be reduced. Um, especially when you talk about in the face of the constitutional obligation that the federal government has under Term 32 of the Union, uh, this is our not just our highway, this is our constitutional highway. This was a part of us joining the country of Canada. This was guaranteed, and right now uh, we're facing more challenge than ever. So it's extremely disappointing, uh, and so we're going to have to look at uh, our options here as it relates to uh, this issue. Uh, we feel it's already onerous to get into this province, whether it's by air, whether it's by vehicle, and this is the main point of vehicular traffic coming into this province. Uh, you know, again, if this was happening in the city of Montreal, if this was happening in other jurisdictions where it was costing you this much to get in, uh, there would be an outrage like you've never heard. And right now, I, I just don't see this. This is going the wrong way. Again, uh, Marine Atlantic has an obligation to uh, ensure their costs remain low. And I think they've been responsible, and I appreciate the conversations we've had with their board of directors and their leadership. Uh, but the reality is they operate within the funds provided to them. Uh, we had been hoping to see this addressed in the budget, and today we're seeing the repercussions of that and what the impacts will be as we move into the summer of uh, 2023 and beyond. You know, yeah, absolutely. If I could just add to one point that Minister Parsons actually made about the formula. If you look at the Confederation Bridge, what Ottawa did in that case was there's a formula in place there as well. Uh, so what Transport Canada did in that place was they stepped in, I think it was a $4.5 million gap that they actually came in and provided to the company operating the Confederation Bridge this year. So uh, that formula for the Confederation Bridge, uh, the formula had to stay in place, but what Ottawa did was they stepped in and provided the, the, the gap uh, for this season on the Confederation Bridge. That's uh, Tourism Minister Steve Crocker there, and before him, Industry Minister Andrew Parsons. Of course, they wear other hats in their departments uh, as ministerial departments, but those are the specific portfolios 
that uh, would be affected by the, of course, news today that Marine Atlantic is raising its rates as of June the 1st. Um, as of that date, they'll be introducing a new fuel surcharge that will see the rate go from 13% to 17%, so an increase of 4%. Um, they do review it from time to time, twice a year, actually. But we'll get more of that detail now coming up after the break. We're going to take a short break here on News Talk. And when we get back, we'll speak with Daryl Mercer from Marine Atlantic. I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain. We will be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Brian Callahan back with you on News Talk today and for Linda Swain again today. And uh, just before the break, we heard from Tourism Minister Steve Crocker and Minister of uh, Industry Andrew Parsons. Not so much ragging on Marine Atlantic itself, the corporation, but the bosses in Ottawa who fund the Crown Corporation and our so-called constitutionally guaranteed link to the mainland. So as promised, uh, Daryl Mercer, a spokesman for Marine Atlantic, has been listening intently and he joins me here live now on News Talk. Daryl, how you doing? Good afternoon, Brian. Great. Thanks so much for uh, making time. I know it's a busy time of day and uh, no shortage of stuff going on in your office, I'm sure, too. So you had to listen there to the ministers. This isn't something new that happens. Um, and we all know where fuel prices are. So um, I'll, I'll let you say it. Uh, you know, why, uh, why an increase and why now? Well, ultimately, uh, previously we had a fuel hedging program that would allow us to purchase fuel at a set price for a period of time. And that provided us with uh, some certainty over the past number of years. Unfortunately, since COVID-19, we've seen a lot of uncertainty in the fuel market. I think anybody that goes to the gas station now, they they see the fluctuations, the up and the down. So when we look at the market prices, uh, we certainly weren't seeing the the benefits of being into a fuel hedging program. So what we've decided to do is move to a new model in which the price of fuel that we pay during uh, the preceding six months is what we will we will have the average price of fuel so the fuel surcharge will be set based upon that we get eight to ten lifts of fuel a year so during a six-month period we may have anywhere between five and six fuel tank fill-ups out in Port of Basque, and then we're going to look at the average fuel price of those fill-ups, and that'll be the fuel surcharge. So it could increase, it could decrease based upon the price of fuel. So it's strictly going to be an average fuel price mechanism. Uh, it's going to be posted to our website, so it'll be transparent so people can see which direction the fuel pricing is, is headed, and then they can make the decisions when they're getting ready to book. So tied directly to the average fuel price paid by Marine Atlantic basically exactly yeah and that's and that's basically a bit of a change from our previous yeah. set of formula because it was based on a fuel hedging and then we had some environmental considerations right. some operational considerations this one is strictly based on the average price of fuel and i noticed too so if i'm going um and when i go to book i'm going to be at the time my the the, the percentage on my uh, ticket or passage on marine atlantic that'll be applied at the time of booking so not at the time of travel and that, i guess then everybody knows what the price is as opposed to it could be anything by the time I actually travel. Yeah, and, and ultimately, if you book today or you've already have a booking, you'll be paying the current 13% fuel surcharge. That's going to be updated on June the 1st, and then any bookings after June 1st will pay that. Now, on December 1st, we're also going to do an update. So it'll be twice a year on June 1st and December the 1st where we will do the update. And obviously, you'll pay the price uh, that, that's in place at, at the time of your booking. And we, we did that because we don't want people to make a booking now, for example, and our role 
filing schedule goes up to 13 to 18 months in advance uh, in the future. So we could be three or four fuel surcharge adjustments before you travel. So from a certainty perspective, people pay the cost when they make their booking, and that will not change based upon on the fuel surcharge adjustment. What is ultimately the, the, the thinking and the rationale behind this? I mean, obviously, we like to think that it's to make it cheap as possible or, or efficiently as possible for us to be able to to use the ferry service, and especially with airlines the way they are and other options. Um, you know, what's the rationale? Is this strictly that, or, you know, is this a, a direction from your masters, or excuse the phrasing, but, you know, I mean, uh, you're allotted a certain amount of funding, and you have to work within that. So how tough a decision is this, and is this uh, basically the most efficient way you could find to go about it? Well, there's two reasons. One, obviously, we wanted to increase the transparency of the process. We did have questions in the past of people wondering exactly how the fuel surcharge was calculated. So we felt that this would be the most transparent and efficient way so that people can see what we're paying for fuel and what the average of that price will be. So that'll be posted to our website along with the the chart of, of what the surcharge will be based upon the price of fuel. So that's the first piece. Second piece, obviously, is with the increased price of fuel that we've experienced over the past couple of years, we can no longer absorb that cost. I mean, we, we work to minimize the cost that we have to pass along to customers, but we also live within a, a cost recovery mandate of 65% from the government of Canada. So we work to achieve that 65%, and obviously we need to look at our costs. And when our costs continuously increase, such as fuel right now because of uncertainty and fluctuations in the market, then we have to make adjustments as well. So we felt that this was probably the fairest way to bring in a fuel surcharge that reflects the actual price that we're paying for the fuel. Yeah, if you got to do it, this is the way. So uh, let's break it down a bit. People are listening to percentages and all that sort of thing. So I'm a family of four. I'm thinking about going to Nova Scotia on a road trip in July. Uh, I book now. What are the increases? What's it going to cost me? Set me back. So, so basically, there's no change to the general tariff. The passenger fee, the vehicle fee, that's that's staying the same. What a customer will see the difference on is the fuel surcharge, which is another calculation that's broken down on on the ticket. So, if you're traveling to from Port Abbas to North Sydney, for example, family of four, two adults, two children with a regular sized vehicle, uh, you'll see probably an eight dollar due to the fuel surcharge. And of course, that'll change depending on uh, the size of your vehicle. If you're carrying a, a trailer behind the pickup truck, for example, because of the length of it, it'll cost more. Uh, if you have more passengers, each passenger will pay the fuel surcharge. Uh, cabins are not affected by the fuel surcharge, but again, that'll influence the overall cost that you are. So again, when, when, when people go in to make the bookings, uh, they'll see the breakdown on the costs uh, depending on the Argentia route, the port of basque route, and, and that'll show some of the differences uh, that they'll see between now and, and June 1st. I noticed there, you know, they go out of a way to in the newsreads to make, you know, make the point that um, Marine Atlantic doesn't make a profit. That's not what you're there for. And and uh, and you balance the cost recovery requirements, minimizing costs that must be passed along to customers. Uh, no choice there. And that the corporation, quote, reports to the Minister of Transport Canada. So uh, how tough is it to just be have to pass this on, even though really it's not your doing? I mean, you have that funding. It. it you know, it's a tough. Um, it's tough for the optics, obviously, because all the talk of tourism and and uh, and the ads are there, and then it just seems so counterintuitive that uh, the cost to get here and to leave just keep going up. Uh, it must be a tough one for you guys to manage. It's it's certainly frustrating. Uh, I think everybody looks at the uncertainty in the fuel market right now, particularly that it's hard to predict what the, the fuel price is going to be from week to week. And from a government of Canada perspective, I mean, they they 
subsidize our service significantly. They make investments that allow us to improve our infrastructure, new new vessel coming into service next year, for example. Yeah, I wanted to so, ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah, and it's a balancing act. So we want to minimize the cost that, that we're passing along to customers because we certainly know that any increase, uh, you know, it, it does have an impact on, on people and, and what they can afford to uh, to spend. So looking at how we can we can balance this while recognizing as well that the, the taxpayers of Canada uh, are, are contributing so much to, to keep our service in operation that we, we work towards that cost recovery target. So it is a fine balancing act, and, and we're trying to, to make these decisions when we look at the overall picture. And, and right now, when we look at fuel prices and the increased costs that we're paying, we felt that this was the fairest way to try to get some of that money back. Um, I think, too, you know, I mean, this is all about fuel, uh, fuel surcharges and the cost of fuel and the price of fuel. Um, where is Marine Atlantic in the whole green world? Uh, you know, in a perfect world, that new vessel would be electric. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, it, it's interesting because when you look at the new vessel, it's going to be much more fuel efficient than, uh, and I'll, I'll use the Atlantic Vision uh, as an example. The new vessel is going to be approximately 50% more fuel efficient than the Atlantic Vision. So it's coming with a, a very positive environmental impact on this. And we're continuously looking at new technologies that we can implement into, into our fleet. Uh, one of the initiatives that we've got ongoing right now is changing out some of the propellers on our existing vessels, right. the Blue Teeth Highlanders, because there are some new technologies that are allowing those propellers to be more efficient, which burn less fuel. So it's going to continuously progress. Our, our overall goal, similar to the government of Canada, is to be net uh, net emission free by 2050. Uh, and I know that the technologies are not necessarily there right now to to achieve it overnight. But you know, we we do have the next 25 years to to try to get to a place where we can eliminate our carbon footprint. And that's what we're doing with the new vessel and, of course, some of the other technologies that are coming into place. And for example, we're we're in the process now of replacing some of our shuttle buses with electric vehicles so that's something new for the corporation but that's where we're headed as uh, i guess as a country as a society is to try to reduce our carbon footprint and uh, and environmental commitment uh, as much as we can yeah and uh, I, i'll you know i won't keep you too much longer we're coming up to news anyway at the bottom of the half hour uh, again we're talking to daryl mercer community spokesperson spokesman spokes uh, communications director shall we say or at least corporate communications uh with marine atlantic and just going over the new rates um just a quick little overview daryl on the current fleet um is everything up to speed right now are there any mechanical i'm just you know sometimes we get the news releases back and forth and people want if all the vessels are running as uh, expected and has there been uh, you know any reaction any kind of impediment due to the PSAC strike since it is in a roundabout way a crown corporation yeah and we haven't uh, we haven't been impacted uh, by the PSAC uh, strike uh, at this point so no one uh, can expect anything at the terminals or anything yeah, and not, and not at this stage. We we haven't uh, experienced uh, any any disruptions due to uh, labor um, from from that perspective. Obviously, sure. uh, PSAC has has their their own plans that uh, that they'll follow through on. So I can't comment on any of that. But from our perspective, uh, we're not involved in the strike, and and the and our operations are not affected by it. Um, from a fleet perspective, right now we're into what we call our shoulder season. So we're we're headed towards our peak season in the summer. 
this time of year, we normally have about th we have three vessels in operation. Uh, so the Blue Petites, the Highlanders, and the Leif Erikson are currently in service. We uh, the Atlantic Vision is uh, going through its preventative maintenance period in dry dock. So we we put our vessels through a dry docking uh, preventative maintenance period, obviously to try to prevent any issues that may arise during the busy summer season. So right. uh, all of our vessels go through this in both the spring and the fall, and the Atlantic Vision is going through that process right now. But uh, no real issues with uh, with the vessels. We haven't had any uh, significant issues with ice this uh, this season in the Cab Strait, uh, so that's been positive. Now, uh, we all know that the winds and the storm systems during the winter did create some havoc uh, from time to time, uh, but again, we, we, we're learning to adjust to that a little more because of what we're seeing with climate changes that are taking place in in, uh, West, in western Newfoundland and, of course, Cape Breton. So, sure. uh, again, I, I think everything is, is, is working well right now, uh, but we'll continue to uh, monitor weather forecasts uh, in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, that's one thing we can't control, and everybody looking at the ice, I guess we the wind uh, worked in your favor this time around. Um, uh, not so much on the northeast coast. Uh, let's see, last thing, just quickly, how are bookings? Uh, are people coming? Yeah, when we uh, we look at bookings uh, last year, last year we saw a lot of people who were uh, had pent up travel demand because of COVID nineteen, so they mm -hmm. took the opportunity to travel last year. So we saw a significant increase uh, this year. What we're seeing is a trend from that's continued from last year is that people are making their bookings much earlier, and uh, those bookings what we would normally see a few weeks before travel, we're now starting to see in January and February. So wow. uh, yep. when we look at the numbers uh, on par with last year, that's that's basically where we are. We're about equal. So we're, we're seeing earlier bookings, but the numbers appear to be close to the same. What might happen as we get closer to the summer, of course, is is a little questionable uh, based on a number of factors. So we'll keep our eye on that. Daryl Mercer with Marine Atlantic. Always appreciate your time, man. Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks, Brian. Okay. That is Daryl Mercer, uh, Communications with Marine Atlantic. Of course, you know, he's, he's the messenger very much, and Marine Atlantic is very much the provider, but uh, Ottawa is the, uh, is the funder. So um, uh, rightly so, the ministers were having it out again, um, taking their shots. The provincial ministers were taking their shots at the feds again today, walking that line between how hard do you push, uh, you know, that uh, relationship between the liberals here and the liberals up there. Anyway, it's a big issue. It happens uh, almost yearly, and this year we'll have to make accommodations for another increase in rates at Marine Atlantic. I'm Brian Callahan. I'm in for Linda Swain this week on News Talk. We're going to take a short uh, break for the news and be right back on News Talk. Your VOCM mornings with Jerry Lynn Mackey and Ben Murphy, 5.30 to 9 a.m. weekdays on your VOCM. Uh, Brian Callahan back today on News Talk in for Linda Swain. That's lovely. I could almost hear Sarah turning around to check and see if the sun had appeared, but no, no such luck. I can see it through a couple of windows, and those windows windows are shaded so it's really hard to tell but I'm sure if it uh, if it comes out we'll all know about it there'll be enough pictures on social media anyway um, right so on Tuesday we got an update on the Canning Bridge in Marystown from the mayor out there Brian Keating or down there I should say um, on the Buren as we know it was the bridge itself was shut down back in February for safety reasons now you can still walk across the bridge and you can even ride your bicycle across it uh, even your motorized bicycle, if you have one of those. But that raised a question as to whether motorcycles might be allowed to use it. I think of many people um, down the way be interested in that, uh, not the least of which would be Mayor Keating, who rides himself. Um, Boots also a haven, of course, for good leisurely burn for many, not the least 
of which is that 210 run that's held down that way in partnership with uh, Smuggler's Cove every year. That's, that's down in August, of course. So that question was hanging out there, and it was some, whether or not motorcycles could be used, and it was something that Mayor Keating said he'd look into right away. That was on Tuesday, and that's exactly what he did. So I'll let him break the news. One thing's for sure um, about uh, people like Mayor Keating and Mayor Brian Button in Port of Ask. They get it, you know, when it comes to communication, uh, when people need it. So I'll let uh, Mayor Keating uh, break the news on the motorcycle issue. We had several uh, requests and, uh, for information on the motorcycle use on the county bridge if we we're going to be permitted to let motorcycles drive uh, across the county bridge. And like I said in my earlier post this week that we put out a request for information and on motorcycle uses on the county bridge. Today we got a reply back from the provincial government and uh, Department of uh, Motor Registration Department of uh, Transportation. And the answer, unfortunately, is that uh, we will not be permitting any motorcycle use on the Canning Bridge. I like to rephrase that. Department of Transportation and the government came back and said there would be no permission to use motorcycles of any type on the Canning Bridge, and it will be restricted for uh, pedestrian traffic only. That means no quads, no tree wheelers, Motorcycle, motorized paddle bikes that uh, you can still use, but no motorcycles. Let me make it clear. Transportation and the government came back and told us that there is no motorcycle use on the Canning Bridge. I will be permitted until further notice or until we get a new bridge. I'm very sorry for convenience. I'm a motorcycle owner myself, and I would like to see it, but they gave a very... Uh, clear definition of why we cannot and if you want some more information feel free to contact me at 709-277-0612 and I'll give you the definitions why and the reason why but uh, once again I'm sorry for those motorcycle enthusiasts out there. Right, uh, apologizing, but of course, out of Mayor Keating's hands, of course. Um, this is all in the interest of safety. You can only imagine now if that bridge actually fell at some point because it's not in great shape and, uh, and, the, cause, and the issues that could cause. You just don't know. So um, the answer is no. Um, and uh, uh, going to say, you know, except for pedestrians and bicycles, that is, of course. Um, but quads, trikes, motorcycles, no go. Um, Mayor Keating, of course, been doing his updates on the town's Facebook page, by the way. So if you'd like to re-listen or, you know, he mentioned his cell phone number there, you know, if people want to call him directly. All of that information is there uh, for specific details. If you want to re-listen, have a listen back. We also heard on Tuesday that it'll be about three to four years before that new bridge starts going in. So we'll keep you posted there. Um, still with Mayor Keating, though, and his impeccable updates and communication, he also spoke spoke today to, as he describes it, a concerning issue in crime, uh, specifically break-ins, vandalism, and home invasions. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. I know this is my second announcement for today. Um, this one has uh, become a very concerning issue uh, for all the residents and business owners in Marystown and the surrounding areas. As you're all aware, in the last 30 to 40 days, we've been having a rash of breaking entries, vandalism, and home invasions in the Marystown and Bjorn surrounding area. It's very disturbing to the business owners, myself personally, and all the council and the residents of Marystown. 
So I came forward today as I put a post out this week. I'm putting out for help from the business owners and local residents this Monday uh, night coming. Uh, we are having a public meeting in town, uh, Marystown, with all surrounding businesses. We're reaching out to the RCMP. We need to put a stop to the vandalism, uh, the break and entries and home invasions. This, uh, our town is being held captive as far as I'm concerned, and we've got to put a stop to it. So I'm reaching out for people to help me help you. Please come May 1st Hello, at 7 o'clock at our town to do protection, uh, involvement from the business owners, and a pad forward. I've reached out to the RCMP and hoping to get communication there. Uh, so right now, please come out. I need your help to get our town back to the beautiful town and our surrounding areas the way it is, crime-free, vandalism-free, because it may not happen to you today, but I don't want to scare or fearmonger anybody, but it could be your business or your home tomorrow. Please come out and help me and the town council of Mary's town and surrounding areas to get our town back crime-free. Help me help you. Uh, that's the message from Mayor Brian Keating uh, down in Marystown regarding, you know, spike in vandalism in the area, the general area, over the past, as he said, 30 to 40 days. But, of course, any kind of incident is troubling and frustrating and, and can be pretty traumatizing for the people involved, the victims, of course. So um, that's this Monday night uh, at the town hall in Marystown, Monday coming, 7 p.m., uh, looking for as many people to come on out and, uh, you know, share thoughts on what they can do. And, uh, you know, uh, the old neighborhood watch thing always works, but uh, they'll need a little bit more than that. And I believe the RCMP have been invited, so they'll be there to check, too. That's on Monday night at 7 p.m. at the Town Hall in Marystown. Uh, I'm Brian Callahan on News Talk for Linda Swain on this Thursday afternoon. We're going to take a short break and be right back. Saturday morning, join us for the Irish Newfoundland Show. Send your request to irishnl at vocm.com or submit them online at vocm.com. Brian Callahan in uh, today for Linda Swain again on News Talk. And, um, of course, it is what it is. News Talk talking about news and uh, several things, of course, on the go today. The House of Assembly, I've got a great uh, bit of back-and-forth vintage debate today in the House of Assembly I'm going to try to get to before the end of the show. Uh, but earlier this afternoon, the um, town of Happy Valley Goose Bay issued, you know, a seemingly didn't seem like a big deal, an innocuous little news release. But when you read it, you can only imagine how many people it might affect. So the town staff have been instructed to remove benches from various locations around the town, including in front of the the uh, USAF monument and along the popular bike trail and the, the locations have been chosen uh, basically because there's uh, been an increase in loitering and illegal activity i.e. vandalism and other things so um, the town says please know it hasn't been done lightly but why read the release when we have the mayor of Happy Valley Goose Bay George Andrews on the line right now Mayor Andrews good afternoon Mayor Andrews on the line. Yep. Hello. Oh, there you are. Mayor Andrews. Sorry yeah. about that. Small yeah. tech issue. No that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure yeah. it's never happened to yourself yeah, either. 
Never. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us this afternoon. I know this is a busy time of day for a lot of people, but uh, even with the half hour that you're behind us up there, I wanted to touch base on this news release. So, uh, you know, I guess, um, you know, it's we know that there are issues ongoing, but uh, this seems to be yet another uh, move that you've had to make to deal with the kind of uh, issues that you're having up there, criminal activity. Can you explain a little more? Yeah, so it's, it's not a decision that the uh, council has taken uh, very lightly and it wasn't done without... Uh, you know, for a bit of consideration and discussion. Um, we have some areas in town where we have some uh, some uh, picnic uh, benches, we'll say, or, uh, you know, park benches. Uh, one is underneath our uh, monument uh, uh, to uh, a general jet fighter that the United States Air Force donated. Right. And it's, it does a monument, uh, you know, to our involvement with those, uh, uh, with the United States Air Force, and a lot of our, you know, community is founded on that, so... Uh, there's a, a bench there. There's a couple of benches in uh, various locations along our boat trail, mm-hmm. at both the beginning and the end, and along the boat trail. <clears throat> what we've seen is a um, an increase in in activity uh, this spring, uh, as we had predicted there would be, and as we identified to uh, the government that uh, you know we were warned back in November that uh, with the Winter Games happening in March, the weather getting better, and additional folks coming to town. Um, We've seen some activity, like, for instance, last night there was uh, approximately 20 to 25 folks uh, uh, around that monument, uh, beer bottles, to rocks, that kind of stuff, uh, being, uh, you know, uh, being used, I guess, to uh, uh, to throw at the uh, at the plane and stuff. And uh, we've seen uh, a lot of folks uh, sitting around and congregating. We've had uh, you know, groups on uh, the boat trail, folks that uh, use our boat trail, uh, have said, you know, they've come across uh, numerous uh, people. Uh, drinking, uh, you know, sleeping, uh, congregating in that area. It's just caused us concern right now because, uh, you know, that's a large number of people. It's the largest group, I guess, single group that we've, uh, we've uh, noticed uh, or that, you know, has come to the attention uh, since uh, in the last little while. Uh, so there's some concerns, some uh, safety concerns and that uh, kind of stuff. And as a town, you know, we don't have a, a whole lot of things we can do, but uh, we didn't make the decision lately, but we've decided to... Uh, to uh, remove the, uh, the benches for right now until we can uh, either uh, get some response from uh, from security or uh, you know uh, uh, working with the RCMP to try to uh, alleviate that activity. So, it seems interesting that benches just removing them, you know, is a. I know it's not the ultimate solution, but it seems like um, uh, you know a, a small, simple thing to you know to address a much larger, as we know, issue. Um, just speak to just specifically why what it does to help you to remove the benches. How this might somehow well, quell what's going on. Well, what we see, uh, uh, particularly in this thing, is uh, larger numbers of folks congregating, uh, you know, in, in those particular areas. Uh, the purpose for which the uh, you know the, these pieces of infrastructure were put in place, uh, you know, are, are definitely not what the uh, the intent is or what they're being used for right now. So you know, and, and again, as a community, uh, we don't have a whole lot of uh, tools in that uh, toolbox to be able to, uh, to deal with uh, with things. Uh, but you know, we don't want to see uh, our monument uh, uh, defaced. We don't uh, want to see uh, you know people accosted. Uh, on the on the bike trail, or uh, you know, coming uh, to and from from the uh, the bike trail. Uh, so for for right now, uh, we uh, we met and collectively decided uh, that uh, that's one of the things we would do. It's difficult. It's been very frustrating. It's even more frustrating this year because our weather is, you know, it uh, it started. Uh, we've got a, had a great spring, and we're having you know a, a nice beginning of summer. Hopefully that continues 
uh, so you know folks can enjoy. But uh, we're not seeing that uh, being able to uh, you know totally enjoy our community, and, and that's very very frustrating from our perspective, and uh, you know very uh, worse because we're afraid that uh, you know God forbid something serious happens. Yeah, and I, you just took my the next words right out of my mouth. I'm wondering, so, you know, there's, as you said, there's been uh, instances of people gathering and, and rock throwing and, you know, on the beer bottles and that kind of general nuisance activity. Uh, there haven't been any injuries or allegations of somebody being hurt or anyone accosted or anything to this point, has there? Well, um, you know, there's a, it's, it's, well, we're encouraging folks to... Uh, to report incidents, uh, you know, of concern and, and uh, for public safety, to the RCMP directly. Uh, last month, uh, we had 599 such episodes reported. But it's um, sorry, how many? How many five, incidents? Five, 599, according to the RCMP statistics, which is up considerably over last year's similar period. I think it was 400 and something, and that's in a single month. And that's being handled by our, our detachment. And, and that's, a, you know, that's the whole realm of the activity here with the RCMP. That's specifically just... Right. Okay. Just, so, yeah. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. yeah. No problem. So, uh, you know, from, from our uh, perspective, uh, we, uh, we're, we're, we're just very, you know, rewarded. Um, you know, I, I had a copy of the seniors uh, group, uh, the other evening and, uh, you know, uh, somebody walking home from bingo. Uh, an elderly, uh, you know, senior citizen uh, uh, female uh, walking alone, uh, you know, being uh, heckled and, and called, uh, you know, catcalled, I guess, for lack of a better word. And that's, uh, that's disappointing. Uh, we see our kids, uh, you know, it's difficult for uh, kids to use the, uh, the bird trails, uh, you know, and, and we have families that, you know, I've, I've, I've got correspondence from folks that say, look, you know, I used to use the bird trail, but I don't use the bird trail because I don't feel safe anymore. We see huge groups around stores to panhandling, the aggressive nature. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a very, very frustrating uh, uh, you know, last couple of years that we've been trying to identify and, uh, and work solutions. So uh, from that perspective, we're, uh, you know, we're just, we're just hoping and praying that nothing serious happens. Yeah, and you mentioned the RCMP. Are you, you know, are you your own municipal officers on that trail as well, trying to do the best they can? Yep, so right now we're in the process of actually hiring uh, a new municipal enforcement uh, officer. Uh, our uh, former uh, constable uh, had uh, moved to Western Canada, so we're in the process of, of hiring. But the RCMP are, are fully engaged, but, uh, you know, I mean, there's only so much uh, resource to go around. And, uh, you know, there's, there's other regular policing activities uh, as well. So, you know, it's of concern to us. Uh, there was money mentioned in the... Uh, in the, uh, in the budget, we're uh, you know, in the province to uh, talk to us about the security money and uh, see how we're going to, uh, you know, best avail of that. And uh, we're hoping that's going to come sooner than later. Yeah, how sad is that? You mentioned the senior. I was going to ask you different. Uh, I mean, the benches are there largely for a rest, maybe. You know, you go for a nice walk on a summer's day or whatever, and the bench is there for a relax or a, or uh, just at least a break. Like you said, especially for seniors, like to take a break. I mean, all the trails around the city here and everywhere else you see, some put in some pretty expensive and, and nice benches that are actually donated. You know, you'll see plaques on them uh, donated to people. Um, it's just a really sad state of affairs. I just wanted to, you know, move on to one quickly. I've just noticed a few a bit of activity. T- totally um, left turn here, but uh, how's the flight tra- is flight training ramping up again now in Goose Bay around the five wing? Well, no, I think uh, what's happening is some, there are some other activities that are happening on the... Uh, okay. Uh, we've seen some, 
we've seen some increase in winter activity that happens uh, usually, and uh, we've heard some announcements uh, in the last little while from the, uh, from the Department of National Defense and enhancing, I guess, under our NORAD uh, responsibilities and our commitments that we'll see some enhancement uh, here. But, uh, yeah, the base is, uh, is busy, and, uh, of course, we're always like to see it busy. Right. Anyway, I appreciate that update too. Uh, thanks for uh, dealing with that last question. I really appreciate your time. Look, good luck with this. We'll certainly keep an eye on it and try to touch base and see how uh, certainly the hiring of the new municipal officer, he'll have his hands full or she'll have his hand, her hands full, of course. Um, Mayor George Andrews, Happy Valley Goose Bay. Thank you very much for your time again today. Well, you're more than welcome. Thanks for, uh, for the call. Absolutely. Thank you. That is uh, Mayor George Andrews up uh, in the big land in Happy Valley, Goose Bay. Um, switching gears again, I mentioned a little while ago that uh, uh, some uh, vintage, I'll call it vintage, I don't have a lot of patience for some of the antics and theater that goes on in the House of Assembly. But uh, but this one was pretty, you know, this is a, a couple of veterans going at it. And they know what they're doing and they know what they're saying. And this is part of the game. But I'm going to run go to uh, some uh, tape now from debate from the House of Assembly, the question period this afternoon. And this is regarding the Terranola FP, FPSO, which, of course, is back in our on, uh, in our waters, but uh, still needs some work done, and there's a lot of uncertainty around it. Here's some of the questions uh, flung today by opposition leader David Brazel and the responses by uh, Minister Andrew Parsons. Government allowed refit work on the Terranova FPSO to go to Spain. Now Newfoundlanders and Labradorians are working on the FPOS in Bullarm. These are the people who should have been working on the vessel all along. Are we now redoing work which was supposed to be completed overseas? The Honorable the Minister of Industry, Energy and Technology. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I just want to you know, make a few points about this project, which I will point out, without the investment of this government, would not have happened, would not have happened, and 70 million barrels of oil would have been left stranded offshore. I will point out a couple things. Number one, as of December, there were 658 Newfoundland and Labrador residents working on Terra Nova. The second thing I'm going to point out is, yes, we want the production to start up right away, but we know, and we're quite comfortable knowing, that the resource is not given away, is not going away, and it will be there, and this will happen. And I will point out, lastly, that the members know, when they talk about work being done here, it was the PC administration in 2006 that sent the Terra Nova to Rotterdam to get their work done. Thank you. The Honorable, the Leader of the Official Opposition. I'm glad the minister reminded me of seven elections ago of what was being done by the administration there. Well done. Speaker, and I also want to acknowledge at the end of the day, what we were proposing is that for the last year when that FPSO was in uh, Spain, that that work could have been done in Newfoundlanders and Labradorians and the communities that were adjacent to those construction sites Order, would have please. also benefited from that in this province. Speaker, we hear all or part of this work may go to Houston. Does the Premier have any assurance that Suncor will not ship the Terra Nova off again to have work done which could be completed by Newfoundlanders and Labradorians done in Newfoundland and Labrador? The Honourable the Minister of Industry, Energy and Technology. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. And let me continue on from the first answer. The members know that the reason that work went overseas then, back under a PC administration, was because there was no facilities that could handle it. Again, I will point out that this vessel was in dry dock. There's been no oil coming out since 2019. If it wasn't for our administration, we wouldn't even be talking about the hundreds and millions of dollars of capital expenditures that are benefiting here, here. Newfoundland and Labrador right now. And 
before, before I'm going to take a lesson from the member opposite about work going overseas, how are those boats that you bought in Romania when you were minister? Here, here, here. The Honourable the Leader of the Official Opposition. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I had asked and uh, expect the uh, minister to take a reference to the Auditor General's report and the public accounts that outlines exactly the two best vessels built for passengers in, in Canada and in the world and delivered on time, on budget, and qualified to do exactly what they're done for. here, his predecessor and the predecessor there could not manage a contract. Order, please. Order. You have another 20 seconds. One last second, Mr. I'll clarify before I go to the next question. They could not manage a contract, Mr. Speaker. We lost millions because they could not put the quality assurance program here that was going to, that's now in use in Newfoundland. Speaker. Speaker, we're here. The Tiranov FPSO was supposed to be back in production months ago, but now Sonovas has removed all production from its 2023 forecast. Speaker, this is alarming. When will the vessel return to production? The Honourable the Minister of Industry, Energy and Technology. Mr. Speaker, uh, when I was in university, I was a history grad, and i got to tell you, I love a bit of history. He's over there trying to defend the, hypocr the hypocrisy of talking about work going outside when he was the minister that bought boats in Romania and then forgot to put a wharf there. That is the lesson that New Newfoundlanders and Labradorians need to remember when we talk about that member and that administration and what they did. But what I will point out again, a little bit of history, it was just less than two years ago that every member on that side stood up and applauded the decision of this government to invest in Terra Nova. It's going to happen and it happened because of our decision making. Thank you. There you have it, the uh, latest uh, to and fro in the House of Assembly question period today with uh, Industry Minister Andrew Parsons there uh, taking questions from the opposition leader, David Brazel. Just enough time to uh, wrap it up for today. Um, thanks again, especially, I don't think I've thanked her all week, Claudette Barnes behind the glass there. Thank you very much, Claudette, for all your help this week. One more day to go tomorrow. Uh, I'm Brian Callahan in for Linda Swain this week on On Target. Um, have a great afternoon.